What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. And welcome, everybody, to the Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Hey, by the way, impressive today. Larry Kudlow from the White House doing the drum solo in the band. Impressive for sure. Uh, Twitter, you're going to fact check that? Oy, gavolt. Don't get me started on Twitter and fact checking. That's another podcast. Uh, And let's just set the record straight. No, that wasn't Larry Kudlow. A little bit busy over at the White House. Uh, He's not here doing the drum solo uh, for the Pod's Honest Truth. Uh, But you never know. Maybe we can get him uh, here at some point along with Steve Mnuchin on bass. Uh, That would be a good duo. Uh, Always looking to hire a great talent here at the Pod's Honest Truth. All right. Today on the podcast, the side of White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany that the media will never tell you about. But we will tell you about it here on the Pod's Honest Truth because that's right. We've got the word truth in the podcast. The Pod's Honest Truth. The media First, Kaylee McEnany has been something to watch, kind of like Gladiator, kind of like Braveheart. Matter of fact, let's cue the music. Um, once again, I hope we paid the music cure or the cue music person, whatever they call that person. Uh, there we go. Uh, yeah, Gladiator, Braveheart. Uh, this should be played under every briefing, I've decided. You know, in other words, you put it up live stream and then the, the music cure is there going, cue the Braveheart. Just do this. Because this has been popcorn munching uh, stuff. Though though I have to tell you, it does remind me a little bit of uh, Wildy, Coyote, and Roadrunner. You remember that? Uh, each episode, you know, you had Wildy, E. Coyote. He was c- kind of cunning and uh, constantly uh, always looking to get the Roadrunner and catch the Roadrunner. And of course, what did the Roadrunner do? Uh, I'm sorry, that was it. Never successful. Uh, Wild E. Coyote never had a chance. And that's what we're talking about here. Wild E. Coyote, the media, Kayleigh McEnany, the roadrunner. And there you go. Uh, Look, there was a side the media wants you to believe that she's a liar. She's the devil in the blue dress, blue dress, you know, all that. Look it up, millennials, by the way. Google Mitch Ryder and the Detroit wheels for the devil in the blue dress uh, comment. But today on the podcast, the real story of who Kayleigh McEnany is and I just want to say this right now. Sorry to burst the media's bubble. She's not Lucifer, all right? She's actually a woman of deep passion. Uh, She's passionate for Jesus. She has a passion for loving this country and really a passion for the principles that this president is fighting for. Bottom line, look, she is strong. She's a smart woman. She has completely turned the tables on the media. And we know the deal in D.C. They like to control the narrative and how the game is played. That's what they do. That's why they want their briefings every day. Yes, they'll say we want uh, the briefings because, you know, we want to hold the, the administration accountable. Well, of course they do. First Amendment. Duh, we got that. But this is a game as well. And it's playing out in the briefing room. And you know what? She basically said, look, sorry, folks, I'm not playing your game. I'm going to call you out whether you like it or not. And trust me, they hate it. All right. Anyhow, before we get to all that and the real side of Kaylee McEnany, a quick little aside 
uh, on this whole mail-in balloting controversy. Uh, they're, they're getting on Kayleigh McEnany's case. They're getting on Trump's case. All of this, uh, the fact that Kayleigh McEnany, what, voted 10 out of 11 times uh, as it relates to mail-in balloting. And, and I say this, yeah, so what? Why, why in the world is this a story? Someone needs to explain this to me. Matter of fact, let me explain it to you. Look, it's called an absentee ballot. There's nothing wrong with absentee ballots, right? Older folks can't get to the polls or uh, maybe you're out of state or you're traveling or something's come up or you're military. Look, this is, no one has a problem with this. That's fine. No one has a problem with absentee ballot, uh, balloting. Here, look, the, the difference and what the Trump administration is talking about, and th these are the facts, folks, they're talking about a wider, uh, bigger, vast mail-in balloting system that the Democrats clearly want. They want a mail-in balloting for everyone, uh, especially as it relates to coronavirus. Uh, and the bottom line is, if you have a larger balloting system, you're going to have more voter fraud. It's just that simple. As a matter of fact, let me read you a quote. And I, I feel like I shouldn't tell you who this quote is from uh, at the beginning. So let me just read you this quote. Here, here it is. And you tell me who you think this is from. Ready? Here it is. Votes cast by mail are less likely to be counted, more likely to be compromised, and more likely to be contested than those cast in a voting booth, statistics show. Election officials reject almost 2% of ballots cast by mail, double the rate for in-person voting. And this quote goes on, and this is what it says. In four Western states, voting by mail is the exclusive or dominant way to cast a ballot. The trend will probably result in more uncounted votes and it increases the potential for fraud. Hello, increases the potential for fraud. Who do you think said that? Okay, here's the big reveal. The New York Times, folks. That's right, the New York Times actually said that. That's from an article in 2012, and they've said it many other, in many other articles as well. That's not an editorial. Uh, that specifically is a news article from the New York Times back in 2012. So folks, that's what we're talking about here. More mail-in ballots means more chances of voter fraud. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. I mean, if I can comprehend this, then trust me, there's hope for everyone. All right, uh, now to Kaylee McEnany. We know the Twitter handle. We've heard the Twitter handle when it comes to Trump, right? When it comes to President Trump, it's at real Donald Trump. Well, I want you to meet at real Kaylee McEnany today on the podcast. And we're gonna, I'm gonna play this uh, it's about five and a half, six minutes or so. It's the profile piece that I did on the 700 Club CBN News that aired across the country this past week. Uh, we get into how she was in panic mode before the first prayer uh, prayer briefing, <laughs> before the first press briefing. That'd be interesting. Imagine the media doing, uh, hi, welcome to the prayer briefing. And there's the whole media there. Um, no, but the, she went into the West Wing and did some praying before that first briefing. We'll exp or she'll explain that. She also talks about advice she got from Sarah Sanders, uh, as well as attacks on her as a Christian. She'll speak to that. She also has overcome adversity. Uh, she had a double mastectomy. Uh, the women in her family, some of them carry a rare gene as it relates to breast cancer. So we'll get into that. And then uh, she'll talk about this time in her life when her faith deepened and she heard from Jesus, if you will, in a very unusual way. And then, of course, she'll talk about motherhood as well. She has a it's about six-month-old or so, Blake, um, and she wants to raise Blake to be an unstoppable woman of God. So here is all of that condensed into about five and a half, six minutes. This is the profile that aired on the 700 Club this past week. 
Have a listen. Hello, everyone. It is a significant job with a prestigious title, but to better understand Kaylee McEnany's path to the White House, you need to understand her overall view of life. I believe um, God put me in this place for a purpose and for a reason, like he does with each and every life. Um, we are all here for a reason. As White House press secretary, her daily purpose is to present, explain, and defend the president's decisions and policies. And her preparation shows as she often turns the tables on a hostile media. I assume you care about fairness and accuracy in our elections, do you not? I guess I would turn the question back on the media and ask similar questions. Perhaps you should look into it and get me some answers. At just 32 years of age, McEnany is one of the youngest ever to hold this position. While the Harvard Law grad looks calm, cool, and collected behind the legendary podium, it was a different story before her very first briefing. I was in panic mode right before. So that led to an impromptu West Wing prayer session. I was just rattled and extremely nervous and mm. feeling a lot of anxiety. Um, and I called my mom and on speakerphone, my family and I, we all prayed together. All of a sudden, I took a deep breath, and after those prayers, it move forward. I felt such strength, went in, talked to the president, and then walked out and did the job that only could be done if God was there helping you along the way. She also got some help that day from former press secretary Sarah Sanders. Sarah is a wise mentor, and in fact, that day when I was so nervous before the first pre press briefing, it was her um, text that helped me uh, quite, quite a lot in that moment because that she sent right? me a Jesus Calling devotional. Raised in a Southern Baptist home and attending a Florida Catholic all-girls school, the call of Jesus has always been near. As a teenager, Kaylee walked down the aisle of her church to give her life to Christ. And then in her 20s, something happened that deepened her faith even more. I was going through a hard time in New York and I was going to a great church in New York and I um, remember feeling very lonely. It was when I first started my young professional life. Um, and I remember getting a call and I never answered numbers I didn't know, but I answered that day and it said, um, hey, this is the Journey Church. We feel like we need to pray for you right now. How can we pray for you? And it was at a distinct moment that I needed to hear from Christ and I felt that he communicated to me through my church. And it's that moment I think my faith became even more real. That faith has helped Kaylee deal with adversity, especially when she found out that her mom and other women in her extended family carried a rare gene that makes breast cancer very likely. She got tested in college and then got a phone call. It was close to Christmas Eve. It was right around that time and just crying because I got a call from the doctor saying you have this this genetic mutation. I didn't know what to do with it. For the next decade, Kaylee considered prevention in the form of a double mastectomy, but wanted to wait until she could go through it with a future soulmate. Well, enter Sean. You look beautiful. Thank you. Year after their marriage vows, she took the preemptive plunge. I had um, a nipple sparing mastectomy um, and they removed my breast tissue. And I'm able to say today that I will never get breast cancer. My chances are like 0.001% because of that choice. To mark the occasion, she wore socks with bright lemons on them, reinforcing the message that when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And boy, oh boy, has she been making lemonade. She joined CNN as a conservative voice and outnumbered, but standing her ground. He was the let first him, person. He was the first person to allow. Hit the campaign trail, becoming a top Republican Party official. President Trump has achieved for this country. He's the greatest president in our lifetime. But the sweetest moment came with the birth of her baby girl. 
As a newborn, Blake joined mom on the campaign trail at times, and now she's made it to the White House. Husband Sean playing the role of stay-at-home dad in Florida, and her family pitches in too. Meanwhile, Kaylee travels back and forth from home to her high-stress day job. Do you need an Excedrin at times? <laughs> it, it is a balance. It's a tough sacrifice on all sides. But I know at the end of the day, if I give Blake the same faith upbringing and relationship with Jesus Christ that my parents gave me, she will be an unstoppable woman of faith in whatever she decides to do. Blake will have a pretty good role model on that front. For example, Kaylee found time to lead weekly Bible studies while with the Trump campaign. We would pray and read the word and it just gave um, a little pep in our step because these days are demanding, they're challenging, they're long. Um, in politics, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, that's the nature of the job. And that just, I think it, it was a little rod of lightning of just energy and joy in our day. Nowadays, it's not always so joyful when she looks out into the briefing room. You wonder if a, a strong conservative Christian supporting Donald Trump drives the media uh, up a wall. I think that's right. Um, people are attacked for their faith, not just me, but Christian men and women across this country. Mm -hmm. um, it's unfortunate, but I think we found a real voice in President Trump who stood for religious freedom and pro-life and given us this boldness. And it was at Harvard Law School when I felt attacked as a conservative and as a Christian that I realized it was that megaphone and that kind of boldness we needed and that kind of fighter we needed uh, to represent um, the Christian community. And so McEnany is here now for this role of a lifetime. And while she works for the commander in chief, she ultimately plays to an almighty audience of one. My mission in life is that when I pass, that I, he will look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And if I can end my life that way, it doesn't matter what the people say on the way there. That is Kaylee McEnany here on The Pod's Honest Truth. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more from Kaylee McEnany, this time in her own words, uncut, uncensored. Not that it had to be censored. Trust me, it didn't. Uh, but we're going to give you the, the raw video, as they say. In other words, about uh, 15, 20 minutes of her actually speaking with me during the interview. We'll explain it all when we come back on The Pod's Honest Truth. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. And welcome back, everybody, to The Pod's Honest Truth with David Brody. Now time more for an extended conversation with Kaylee McEnany. You heard the overall umbrella piece in that first segment. We want to kind of dive in and so you can really get the context uh, of 
everything she was saying in that first piece. Now, remember, in that first piece, uh, we don't take it out of context, folks, uh, but we have to shorten it up, obviously, because we can't just go on forever. We have a certain amount of time, though I personally wouldn't want a certain amount of time narcissistically. I'd love to talk forever and have a 15, 20-minute piece on the 700 Club, but alas, we can't do that. And so instead, we'll do it here on the podcast. We will give you the uh, unfiltered, unvarnished, uncut version of Kaylee McEnany talking about all those issues from motherhood to Jesus to Sarah Sanders to the first press briefing uh, to the double mastectomy, all of it uh, in raw form, if you will. Here is that interview. And before I get to that interview, let me just say uh, for context, this was done uh, on White House grounds uh, about a week ago or so, actually about a week and a half or so, or so ago. Uh, and it was about a 30 minute interview. So this runs about, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes because it was the bulk of the interview because we were there to do a personal profile on Kaylee McEnany. All right, here it is. Kaylee McEnany, great to uh, see you. Good to see you, David. Uh, I'll tell you what, you're drinking out of a fire hose a little bit. How has it been so far for you? Oh, you know what? It's been a lot of fun. Um, I talked to some of my predecessors in this job, and one of the things they said is, you've got to always have fun uh, to succeed in the job, and that's what we do. We have such a great team over at the White House, and certainly, you know, it's it's a lot of incoming, but nevertheless, um, when you've got a great team of, of people and a lot of prayer warriors out there, it makes it a little bit easier. So I'm just having the time of my life, and what an honor to serve President Trump. I want to ask you a little bit of that first press briefing, uh, which I called on Twitter a home run. Uh, but there you were with the, with the cross right front and center. Um, I want to talk about your faith and how important that is to you. And what's, what's that faith journey been like going back to Catholic school, all girls Catholic school? Yes, all girls Catholic school. You know, I people ask me what denomination I am. And it's I'm like, well, I went to Catholic school my whole life, but I was raised Southern Baptist. So I guess I'm just I'm, I'm Christian. Um, but yeah, I grew, to, grew up going to Catholic school, um, Catholic college, but born and raised Southern Baptist and I consider myself an evangelical Christian. Um, but faith is indispensable. You know, you mentioned that first press briefing. What you may not know is I was in panic mode right before, and um, I was in, I was just got very nervous. We were very well prepared, prepared all night, all morning, all day. Um, and then it closed the door, and my assistant, Lindy, who's a friend as well, uh, can attest to the fact that I was just rattled and extremely nervous and mm -hmm. feeling a lot of anxiety. Um, and I called my mom and on speakerphone, my family and I, we all prayed together. Uh, Lindy, who's a fellow Christian, uh, sister in Christ, was there. And um, we, we just all prayed together. And all of a sudden, I took a deep breath. And after those prayers, it moved forward. I felt such strength, went in, talked to the president, and then walked out and did the job that only could be done if God was there helping you along the way. Wow, that's fantastic. Speaking about your family, talk to me about them. I know you have a very close-knit family. Uh, and, and I'm just wondering, as a matter of fact, your, your father, uh, a, a walk-on defensive lineman uh, from Mississippi State. All right, we won't get into the Gators versus Mississippi State. Yeah. Maybe that's another interview. <laughs> but um, I was reading a quote about how he talked about you and said you're just you're a fighter. I mean, you're, you're someone that you know is going to work their butt off, as they say in uh, football language. Uh, tell me about some of those lessons you learned from mom and dad. Yeah. So my dad, as you mentioned, played football at Mississippi State. He was very small for his position of defensive end. He's not a small guy, but I mean, he is for that position was small at the time. And um, he says something to the effect of 
Um, it doesn't matter how small the dog is, it matters to fight in the dog. And that's a, a bulldog phrase. Um, and he fought hard and made his way up to be a, a leader on that team um, and hold, I think it's the number three sacks record. And it was because he had a whole lot of passion and mm. built a business from the ground up um, with basically nothing, just built it from scratch. And my mom was a big partner in that and has always been a woman of faith. And just seeing the two of them, the passion, uh, the grounding in faith, um, the constant instilling of those principles in us um, definitely was a big key to finding my way through the media world and the political world to being White House press secretary. Talk to me a little bit about your faith as it relates to grow your family and Blake and your husband kind of making sure your family kind of rooted in that faith. I know you said something along the lines of making sure your daughter and family are uh, rooted or at least follow the footsteps of Christ and you feel like that's very important. Maybe expand about on that. Yeah, it's extremely important. You know, we all lead busy, lead busy lives. My husband plays Major League Baseball, which means he travels everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, I, in my role, um, will be traveling to a lot of places, but it's a lot of hours. Um, and my previous role with the campaign was always on the road. So mm -hmm. we've had to have a, a family where a lot of people come in and help us. My mom is a big um, asset. You know, I was able to take my little tiny loved one, little Blake, my little daughter, all to Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina, and she just traveled um, the state with me before COVID, the country with me before COVID hit. And my mom was a big asset in that in the Trump campaign and assisting and allowing me to be a working mom, literally a working mom where my daughter came with me to these various elections and rallies and debates. Um, and then now it's just um, a work, a, a effort in progress, I should say, yeah. where we all chip in and help one another. But having faith um, through the center of our family is what makes all things work. You know, I believe um, God put me in this place for a purpose and for a reason, like he does with each and every life. Um, we are all here for a reason. And achieving that purpose means making sacrifices sometimes. And sometimes that means family sacrifices. But I know at the end of the day, if I give Blake the same faith upbringing and relationship with Jesus Christ that my parents gave me. She will be an unstoppable woman of faith in whatever she decides to do. What's that like? What's it been like the balance between uh, motherhood and working for this president in this White House? I mean, in these challenging times, uh, the, the balance, I mean, uh, do you need an Excedrin at times? <laughs> it, it is a balance. And I have a lot of help from, from my mom sure. and from Sean's mom, my mother-in-law. Um, but, you know, it it's um, unique because I remember distinctly um, when we were in, I believe it was Iowa, um, there was a, a plane that the campaign um, took home um, and there were a bunch of senators and congressmen on the plane and Don Jr. and Laura Trump was on the plane and Brad and there I was with my mom and my little baby and praying she wouldn't scream, <laughs> not that anyone would have cared, but you know, I realized very quickly what this this family, the Trump family was all about when they very quickly, um, Don was like, let, let me hold her, let me hold her, Laura, no, let me hold her and just they all stood and Todd Ricketts and just everyone who's um, you know in this community stood up and was like, we're gonna help you. you know, we See your mom struggling on this flight and it was just great to see and that's what this president is all about you can see he's surrounded by his family Ivanka and Jared and these really great hard workers for the country and he just embraces that all through how he treats people I remember when he first called me about taking this job he said your husband's gonna be on board with this and you're gonna be okay with mm -hmm. your baby and that was he thought about my personal life and wanted to make sure that my family was going to be okay and me accepting what is a very demanding role and 
that makes all of this easier when you have a boss and a family um, that that embraces your own family. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, Tim Murtaugh, I, I was reading, he talked about in the campaign how you would hold or at least try to hold Bible studies there at the campaign, at least however it was, virtually or maybe in person. Tell me about that. That's 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 neat, these Bible studies that you were trying to keep going. Yeah, we started that um, every Friday. It was a few weeks before, um, I, or probably two months before I left the campaign to come here. Um, my sister, Ryan McEnany, works on the campaign. Right. Um, my assistant, Lindy Rose, who's now with me here in the White House, who worked at the campaign as well, and another young woman named Sunny Joy Nelson. And the three of us came together and we said, you know, we represent so many Christians across this country. When I was at the campaign, obviously, it's very evident the evangelical community has supported this president. So is the Catholic community um, and the faith community at large. And so we said, you know, to do that justice, we need to have prayer in this building and we need to have um, Bible study and time in the word. And so before work, we would all gather for about 45 minutes and we do what we started to call popcorn prayer, where we would just um, pray out loud. And one of my good friends who, you know, Abigail Robertson mm -hmm, taught sure. me this concept um, with the Bible study that she does. And it was just organic and spontaneous and we would pray and read the word. And it just gave um, a little pep in our step because these days are demanding, they're challenging, they're long um, in politics, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, that's the nature of the job. And that just, I think it, it was a little rod of lightning of just energy and joy in our day. And it, it definitely transferred throughout the week. And so that Bible study still continues. I'm now at the White House. I'm not part of the campaign anymore, but it continues. And it's a very proud, um, I guess, if you call it, leaving the legacy that I left with the campaign is having this, this moment of prayer and these incredible people who have continued that. Talk about, uh, you mentioned the word challenging, uh, the double mastectomy um, that you've been very public about uh, and for good reason. I, th I think there's a lesson in that, especially as it relates to, I believe, gray socks and bright lemons. Yes. So tell me a little bit about that and uh, your story and, and how you've come through that and what lessons came from that. Yeah, so I was in college when my mom found out that she had the BRCA2 genetic mutation. And what that meant uh, was that she had an 83% chance of breast cancer and a 20-something percent chance of ovarian cancer. Um, and it was over her lifetime, so she never got breast cancer, she never got ovarian cancer, but we did have eight extended relatives who had breast cancer, some of whom died of it. So we found out about this gen genetic mutation. Um, my mom was diagnosed with it, immediately decided to remove her breast tissue and her ovaries. It was very emotional um, and tough experience for her. And I was in college at the time at Georgetown University, and yeah. I decided I wanted to get tested because I saw that I was able to look at my mom and say she will never die of breast cancer because of this choice she made. Right. So I got tested in college, um, not really prepared for the results. And I remember waking up um, on, a, it was close to Christmas Eve. It was right around that time and just crying because I got a call from the doctor saying, you have this, this genetic mutation. I didn't know what to do with it. And I remember my dad looking at me and saying, look, people in life don't always know what their um, physical ailment um, holds down the line. They don't know what their weakness is, but you know your weakness and you know you have this and you can attack it head on. And for 10 years, I just kind of delayed the process and got mammograms and was consistently monitored, but delayed it because I felt very strongly that it would be easier to go through if I had a, a soulmate and a partner in life to walk through that journey with me. And I found that in my husband been Sean. Mm -hmm. um, and about a year after we got married, I had um, a nipple sparing mastectomy um, and they removed my breast tissue. Um, and I'm able to say today that I will never get breast cancer. Or my chances are like 0.001% because of that choice. And I've had a husband that stayed with me every step of the way and I'm um, a new little baby, um, which is great. And, 
you know, I just think it's so important um, for women to make the choice that's best for them, but to get monitored and to have faith to get you through it. Because I, as I, I said, you mentioned the lemons. Yeah, the gray um, socks. Yeah. yeah, the socks that I wore on the day of my mastectomy had little right. lemons on them uh, because I saw this beautiful uh, moment in the movie, This Is Us. And it was a doctor um, and he was counseling parents who had just um, lost a child or went through some medical tragedy. Yeah. And he said, when life hands you the sourest of lemons, turn them into the sweetest of lemonade. And mm -hmm. I felt that that day, that's what I was doing. And um, because of my, my faith and Christ helping me through that moment, I think I made a good choice and can um, share that with other women. And here you are today, White House yes. Press Secretary. Yes. Uh, by the way, following in the footsteps of Stephanie Grisham and then before that, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who also a very strong Christian, we know this, she got dinged in the media for it. You're getting dinged in the media for it. H how are you handling those, those attacks? They've been fast and furious on you. And uh, you know, you wonder if a, a strong conservative Christian supporting Donald Trump drives the media uh, up a wall. Yeah, no, that's right. And look, Sarah is a wise mentor. And in fact, that day when I was so nervous before the first pre press briefing, it was her um, text that helped me uh, quite quite a lot in that moment because that she sent right? me a Jesus Calling devotional. And it was from, I, I forget if it was a year or two years, same day, but a year or two years prior, that day when she had done a press briefing and what that devotional was for her that day. So it really helped me and was very meaningful. But I think that's right. Um, people are attacked for their faith, not just me, but Christian men and women across this country. Mm -hmm. um, it's unfortunate, but I think we found a real voice in President Trump who stood for religious freedom and pro-life and given us this boldness. And it was at Harvard Law School when I felt attacked as a conservative and as a Christian that I realized it was that megaphone and that kind of boldness we needed and that kind of fighter we needed mm -hmm. uh, to represent um, the Christian community. And that's what we found in President Trump. And that's why it's an honor to, to work for him in this capacity. Can I ask you a personal question about Ravi Zacharias mm -hmm. uh, passing away uh, just in the last 24 hours or so? I know uh, his teachings were so important to you, especially at Oxford. You, you've mentioned this. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what he meant to you personally and and the loss for the Christian community? Yeah, it's a huge loss. You know, my dad said to me um, that Billy Graham was a great evangelist. Mm -hmm. And I think Ravi Zacharias is the great apologist. Yeah, I know this is tough. I, I know. We're just... Yeah. We don't have to cry because we're Christians, so we know it's like Yeah, I mean, we're human the last time I checked. But the tears come from 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 what? What, what, what was it that, because it, it feels like Oxford and you, you, your development of your faith. Yeah, and, and you know, Robbie's someone that I never met. I knew his, I know his team, um, and I know some of those who are around him. But, yeah. you know, for me as a Christian, I always had the heart for Jesus Christ that I got at a very young age. Um, I was saved when I was, you know, in my teens. Yeah. But to have someone who, from an academic place, as an apologist, could equip you with those arguments where you didn't have to check your brain at the door when you became a Christian, where there is intellectual foundation for everything we believe. Right. There's prophecy, there's the human cell, there's the amazing creation of the human body and all of its complexity and the planet, the universe. And he put a philosophical and academic rationale for the heart that I had for Christ, but gave me the ability to go to Oxford, where there are renowned atheist scholars who try to say there's there's no intellectual undergirding for Christianity. Ravi Zacharias, who happened to have an office at Oxford, uh, was the person who provided the counter to that. 
um, the, the intelligence behind why we believe what we believe. And you know, your mind can never get you fully there. Uh, it's a place only your heart can take you. But Ravi Zacharias provided those steps to um, put in the minds of an academic, wow, I, sh I should give the Christian faith some thought. Mm. And you know, Ravi, he means so much. As I was saying earlier, you know, Billy Graham was the great evangelist. Ravi Zacharias is the great apologist. And you know, I think the words um, that were at the very bottom of the announcement today of this passing are, are so important. He had a verse there and it said, because I live, you also will live, John 14, 19. Mm -hmm. And they said that these seven words changed Ravi's life 57 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, he was on a bed of suicide as he described it. And it was a Bible that was handed to him and those words in particular that set him on a 57 year path that has truly saved lives. I, um, on Sunday, watched a sermon knowing, you know, Ravi was in a tough spot and um, was no longer getting mm -hmm. treatment. So my, I had my daughter on my lap. We were watching that. the sermon, yeah, with of Ravi and my husband was there. There. My mother-in-law was there, um, and it was a sermon about purpose, and it was a sermon about how every human life has a purpose. You are here for a reason. Every life matters, and it's about finding that purpose, and um, just hearing him speak and hearing those words was so meaningful, and it was in um, that sermon, I believe, where he shared the story of a CNN sportscaster who was living a profligate lifestyle um, and making bad decisions in life, but changed his life and found his purpose and found a family and became a Christian and got very sick. Um, and when he was on his deathbed, um, the CNN sportscaster said that um, he was just really in search of God and really in search of finding Christ and hearing from Christ as he was about to leave behind his little daughter. And he said, Jesus, he saw a figure that is how he always imagined Jesus Christ would look like. And he said, who he had pictured was Jesus sat on the corner of his bed and said, tonight's not the night you will pass. And he had this distinct moment before he passed. And in watching Ravi describe that moment, yeah. um, knowing that he was probably in the next few days coming to his last moment, it just, it, it changed me once again to hear that and mm -hmm. to um, post the sermon on Twitter and have a user say, wow, I've never given Christianity a thought, but having watched what Ravi had to say, I may, I may have to give Christianity a thought. Um, so Ravi, his life may have ended, but his life continues in the next life. He is uh, someone I'll meet in heaven and rest assured his legacy uh, will always be here and he will continue to change lives. Mm, what a loving tribute. Thank you for that. Um, before we get to some of the news today, I do want to ask you, you mentioned in, uh, saved as a teenager. You said in your teens. What, what was that process like exactly? I don't know too much about that. Yeah. So, you know, my dad, it was, um, you know, had always told me you've got to, um, you know, find Jesus at the time that's right for you. And, you know, I would listen to the sermons at church and I walked down the aisle and I became um, saved and gave my life to Christ. And I prayed with my dad and I believe I became a Christian yeah. um, at that time in my life. Um, but I believe I became a Christian in my teens, but it was later in life that I think my faith became even more real to me. Um, I was going through a hard time in New York and I was going to a great church in New York. And I um, remember feeling very lonely. It was when I first started my young professional life. Um, and I remember getting a call and I never answered numbers. I didn't know, but I answered that day and it said, um, Hey, this is the journey church. We feel like we need to pray for you right now. How can we pray for you? And it was at a distinct moment that I needed to hear from Christ. And I felt that he communicated to me through my church. And it's that moment. I think my faith became even more real. Um, but it's just all those times in our life, the hard times, the tough times, if you reach out, Christ always finds a way to reach back out to you mm -hmm. when you truly beckon for him and call out to him. Mm -hmm. So those are some moments in my life that I think were really impactful. 
Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home, yes, cool, or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com/internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the US to H 2023. Results may vary. Not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply. Kaylee McEnany here on the Pod's Honest Truth. Some final thoughts before we leave you. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the liberal media can't stand Donald Trump. I don't know what the therapy bills have been, but trust me, there's no doubt that the president is in their heads collectively. And Donald Trump, by the way, loving every minute of it. By extension, Kaylee McEnany is a lot like Trump. No, her Twitter feed isn't bombastic and provocative, but just like Trump, she's not afraid of a fight. Not to fight just for the sport of it. She truly believes that members of the media are the ones not telling the full truth. The media are the ones slanting their coverage. The media are the ones not asking the questions that need to be asked. And you know what? She's 100% right. Today's media is more than just biased. They have lost all semblance of balance because Trump has gotten to them. He's hurt their feelings. He's called them out. Kaylee McEnany has done that too, all with a smile. And that's the Pod's Honest Truth. Until next time, America. 